0: My name's Daniel. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm one of the new guys. Uh, and I have the privilege of working with your kids, so I'm uh, glad to be here this morning. Uh, there's, Pastor Paul did something very dangerous today. He gave the mic to a new dad. So the new dad's going to show off for a minute. Oh, this, is, this is Cohen Denver Johnson, who was born on October 20th, so nine days ago. Uh, So welcome, Cohen. And all the young moms in here is like, why are you not home with your wife helping her? That's a great question. Fortunately, her mother's with her. Uh, But he's doing really well, so mom's doing well too. Uh, He had a little bit of jaundice, so he's been hanging out in a tanning bed uh, the last week. But no danger. Uh, he's just, he, he's the joy of our life at the moment. So no offense to all of you, but my greatest thoughts this morning aren't even about my message. They're about him. So, uh, so we're, I'm, my wife and I are super excited. Uh, and I didn't say this in first service, uh, but Pastor Paul called me very sheepishly uh, about two months ago to say, I know when your baby is coming and I can't find anyone to speak. <laughs> and he, uh, he was very apologetic. I think he just wanted to run me through a new pastor gauntlet, honestly. We're going to put him on nine days after his baby's born, put him up on the stage and see how he does. So you're about to experience it and we'll see how it goes. But uh, uh, I'm thankful to be here this morning and to be able to share with you from God's word. So I'm going to open in prayer uh, and then we'll We'll jump in, Amen. Father. Uh, thank you for for Cohen uh, and the gift that he is to my wife and I and to his family. Uh, thank you that you have cared for him. Thank you for the opportunity to look into your Word this morning and to hear from you. We believe that you're present with us. That you've promised that you will be with us all the all the way to the end of the age. You'll never leave us or forsake us. And And we believe there's something that you want to say to us this morning. And so we just open our hearts and our ears uh, to listen and to hear. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, if you don't know a lot about me, one of the things uh, that's a big part of my life is I actually lived in the Czech Republic for 13 years. So my wife and I uh, were missionaries there. We worked with high school and college students as a part of an organization called Josiah Venture. Actually, some of you probably know Eric Schmidt. Uh, Yes, Eric actually works for Josiah Venture now. Uh, So so there's some connection there. Uh, But one of the coolest things, and I know as a missionary, I'm not supposed to say this, but one of the coolest things about being a missionary there is living in Europe, how close all these cool places are to each other. So my wife and I made a commitment when we first moved there that we wouldn't buy each other Christmas gifts or birthday gifts. We we're going to spend any you know, expendable income we had on traveling. So just to give you context, we lived three hours by car from Vienna, eight hours by car from Berlin, eight hours by car from Venice, 10, 12 hours to the Swiss Alps, 15, 16 hours to Paris. So we did a lot of visiting different places. And one of my favorite things to do when we would go to a new city was I would go for a run. Not 40 miles like someone's doing this morning. That's crazy. Uh, I think he runs 40 miles when he does a sermon. But uh, I would go out and a lot of these cities like Dresden or Paris, uh, Venice, not Venice so much, but Vienna, excuse me. They're cities on a river. And so you, they're very easy to navigate, right? And you get these great views when you go for a run. You run up one side of the river, find a bridge, hopefully, and get across and run back. And it's a really fun experience. Well, we were traveling back from somewhere in Italy, and we'd heard about this city, Bologna. True Confessions, we heard about it in a John Grisham novel. <laughs> and so we're like, we want to check it out. And... So we stopped in the city of Bologna, and I said, "Okay, we've been driving for a while. I said, I'm going to go get a quick run in before we have dinner, uh, and then we can go into the city. So this is Bologna. Now, from looking at this picture, you might understand why I started to have problems running around in Bologna. It's a medieval city, and everything is red brick and looks exactly the same. The challenge of a medieval city, so during the Renaissance period, a lot of cities upgraded and changed their facades of buildings, they also made the streets wider, kind of made them more grid-like in some places. Medieval cities were designed to be confusing. They were expecting invading armies to come into your city and you wanted them to get lost and not know where they were going think about designing a city that way. Life was great, right? We had to design this city to stop invading armies. So I went, we were staying just outside of the city wall, and I went and ran into the city, and about 15 minutes into my run, I was like, oh boy, I have no idea where I am. And so I'm running around, and I'm like, I think I've seen that before. Uh, nope, haven't seen that before, but it looks exactly the same as these 10 other places I just saw. And, of course, being smart, I didn't take my phone, I don't speak Italian, I didn't even really know the name of the hotel where I was staying. I just am wandering around, like, trying to find something that looks familiar. And after about an hour, I finally decided my best strategy would be to find the city wall and to run, walk along the city wall until I found the right exit? Because I kind of remembered what that looked like. Well, medieval city, there isn't just one little lane that runs all the way around the city wall. You have to go in and out, in and out. And about two and a half hours later, I stumbled into our hotel. uh, And my wife, of course, having no idea where I was, uh, was very relieved. Uh, But It was one of these situations where I was like, I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. I think that's kind of reflective of our lives sometimes, that sometimes we don't know where to go or what to do. Sometimes there are decisions that we need to make and we don't know what the results of those decisions are gonna be. When I chose to come to Portland to go to Multnomah, for Bible College. I'm from Denver, from Colorado originally. I didn't know that I'd meet a woman from the Portland area, that we'd get married, that we'd live in a foreign country. I didn't know the, co- you know, the result of that one little action. I couldn't have told you a year ago that I'd be living in Hillsborough and be with you all. I'm very thankful for that, but it wasn't wasn't something I could have predicted. And a lot of us have those moments and things in our lives where we're like, "Where are we going? Where are we trying to end up?" And and I think that today's passage speaks a little bit to how Jesus directs us, how He helps us find our way. And so, as we look, uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter ten. And we're going to read verses 13 to 16. And Luke chapter 10, this is the story of Jesus sending out his 72 followers. And so he sends them out with some instructions uh, about how they're to enter towns, how they're to greet people. Uh, and he tells them, you know, that if they're welcome, they should stay there and eat and drink. If they're not welcome, they should shake even the dust of their feet off and walk, walk away. And, uh. He gives them a message to share that the kingdom of God is near. And as they, as he finishes this, he then begins speaking in verse 13 about some specific places. Uh, So we'll pick it up there. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes, but it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades, or the place of the dead. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. Okay. Right. Uh, we've been talking about money for a long time. <laughs> and now, yeah, I know you were hoping for another money sermon this morning. Uh, <laughs> But we're actually transitioning to talk about another uh, difficult topic, which is life after death. Um, but right here, Jesus starts naming off these towns and places. People who were listening, especially the disciples, they would have known what these places were. To us, it's kind of like, okay, great. I, you know, I don't know anything about it. Uh, but the three towns that he calls woes out upon... They're towns around the Sea of Galilee. So when we think about Jesus' ministry, he spent a lot of time around the Sea of Galilee in that region, and these were Jewish towns that were around the Sea of Galilee. So he's saying, hey, you who are the people of God, there's woe on you because you're not listening to the message. I spent time with you. You've seen me perform miracles. You've seen my heart and how I care about people and you're rejecting the message. And actually that makes you worse off than these other two places, Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon are north of Israel on the Mediterranean Sea and they're gentile towns that are like trading centers. And so these Jewish towns would have looked down on them. Those pagan places, they may have wealth from their uh, from their trade and such, but they are godless. But Jesus says, actually, if they had received the same message that you did, they would have repented. So it's, it's a strong, it's a strong message. And he's he's saying, woe to you, which which basically is a kind of a lament saying, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> not because he wants to judge them, but because they're not responding. Uh, to the message that he's giving. And and that's the big idea today. Uh, what we're going to talk about is that the way that we respond to Jesus today impacts the trajectory of our life tomorrow. How I respond to Jesus today impacts the trajectory of where my life is headed tomorrow. And so Jesus is calling out these cities saying, there's some difficult things around the corner for you because you're not choosing uh, to respond to my message. Now, when you think about the message that's being given, it, it makes a little bit of sense, right, why these people wouldn't respond. Jesus is sharing that there's a kingdom coming. Now, kingdom language is a little bit strange for us. We don't live in a kingdom. We live in a, in a democratic republic where we have a vote and uh, our Politicians represent us really well. Um, uh, But we aren't living under the rule of an empire that rules by strength, right? The people in this day, in Jesus' day, are. They know the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire has thousands of troops, the Roman legions, right? And Jesus is saying, actually, there's a new kingdom coming. But what's what's that kingdom look like with Jesus? Jesus has, if we're really generous to Jesus, he's got a couple hundred followers, probably at least a majority of whom are women. And they're going, really? You're going to start a kingdom with that? Really? You think you can win a war? (laughs) You think you can take over with that? But Jesus doesn't say that that's okay, that that's, That's the way they see it. He says, you still are supposed to respond. And there's a lot of points in our lives where things may not make total sense, but we're still called to respond to Jesus' leading. And there's a word for that. It's a very special, like, Christian word that sounds very religious. It's the word repent. Uh, And repent can feel like a really, like, kind of mystical word. And it, we may think of it as like, I have to spend a bunch of time crying over all these things that I've done wrong and and feel really bad about myself and all this stuff. And I don't really think that's the intent of the word. I think there's there's a little bit uh, simpler uh, meaning. So you heard about my sense of direction. Uh, I've never been lost forever. I'm here today. So that's, that's good. I found my way here. Uh, But when I was a suburb kid, so all I needed was a car, right? I didn't know anything about public transportation. So when I started using public transportation, it was a steep learning curve of how to read a bus schedule, how to take a train, all this stuff. And oftentimes, I would get on a train and start going the wrong direction. So how do I change that? Well, first, I have to realize I'm going the wrong direction. Second, I have to say, I'm going the wrong direction and get off and get on a train going the correct direction. And I think that's really the biblical idea of repentance. Is to recognize, hey, I'm going the wrong direction. I need to confess it and get going in the correct direction with Jesus' help. Uh, And I think part of this kind of wrong conception of repentance is we feel like we start at this point. There's two points that come together. And we can go this way, the correct way. Or we can go this way, the wrong way. And they're so far apart that I have to make up for all this distance in between the two in order to get back to Jesus. That just isn't, that just isn't reality. That, you know, we've, we've kind of been given that from very distant Roman Catholic roots, I think, sometimes, that these ideas of penance, that I make up for, make restitution for the things that I've done wrong. We don't have to cross that gap. Jesus already did it. Actually, he's walking with us the whole time. All we have to do is turn around and see him. And yeah, there are some consequences when we go down a path that isn't correct, if you're building a relationship with somebody who isn't your spouse, if you're caught in an addiction, if uh, if you're holding on to bitterness and anger and you don't respond in those early days when Jesus is pricking your conscience, you may have to have that conversation with your spouse of of your transgression you may lose relationships because you're holding on to bitterness. But each day is a new opportunity to turn and respond and to go a different direction. Right with Jesus in those moments. And Jesus isn't calling out woes upon these cities because he hates them. He isn't calling out woes upon these cities because he wants them to face destruction. He's calling out because he's sad. (laughs) right he's lamenting over their loss he knows what's what's ahead for them and we know from his heart his heart isn't condemnation the book of john tells us jesus did not come to condemn the world but to save it he loves these people and he's hoping that they'll hear his voice and respond and so we actually when we respond to his voice today, it does impact where we head tomorrow though. And if we don't respond, it does impact where we head tomorrow. And this is part of the message that I, I don't enjoy, honestly. This is a very hard topic for me, that I think what it, the Bible teaches is that at some point, when we continue not to respond to Jesus, that becomes a permanent state of reality for us. Uh, Winston Churchill famously said, there's only two certainties in life, death and taxes, right? Great British outlook on life. Uh, but there, there's something to that, that all of us one day will have to face our physical death. And I believe that the Bible teaches that our relationship with Jesus becomes permanent in some sense after our after our physical death. I don't understand it all. People who are much smarter than me have been debating for centuries uh, how it all looks. So I'm not gonna solve this for you in the next five minutes. I'd love to. Uh, but it's a difficult topic in our culture, particularly because we, we don't wanna have hard lines on things, uh, and I think actually part of this, and, and some of this thinking I got from Tim Keller, who recently passed away, uh, has been inspiring to me in this way. We actually, in our culture, have subtly begun to believe that there's nothing after this life. There's There's nothing coming, and so it doesn't really matter what you believe, right? We're all going to end up in the same place. Now, it gets a positive spin put on it that It's a utopia, but really the underlying belief is all all you see around you is all there is. So it really doesn't matter what you believe, because we're all going to end up in the same place. Jesus says, that's not true. (laughs) And actually, it's a very arrogant worldview to say, I know that all roads lead to the same place. Have any of you been in the forest and there's a bunch of trails? Do they all lead to the same place? You can end up in a very different place, right? The only way that someone would know that all trails lead to the same place is if they've walked them all and could see them all. No one in our world has done that. I don't know for sure that I'll be with Jesus when I die. I'm confident and I have faith but I can't guarantee it 100%. I haven't been there. There's guideposts, there's trail markers, there's people that are ahead of me on the trail. I have my own personal experience, but I can't guarantee that for you. I haven't been there. It's a, that's why it's a walk by faith. And, and there's a belief, a subtle belief in our culture that it doesn't matter what you think. We know better. We know that it doesn't matter what you think. And that's a very dangerous point of view because each one of us has to walk our path. And so Jesus is is giving us a chance for these cities to respond, He's giving them a chance to accept the kingdom that He's bringing, one where the little children are welcomed. Uh, That was just a chapter before one where the blind are made to see, the prisoners are released. And so if you're here today and you're actually wrestling with this a little bit in your own heart, that you don't totally understand this in invite that Jesus is making, I'd encourage you to talk to someone. Uh, or maybe you know that that nudge is there, that Jesus is asking you to step in relationship with him this morning. I'm just going to take a moment and pause and pray. And you can pray after me. And respond in your own heart uh and so let me just pray and if you'd like to make that step you can you can join with me jesus i acknowledge uh, that i've been going the wrong direction i acknowledge that that direction is away from you and i want to be with you i want to be going the right direction Uh, thank you that you through your death and resurrection came and sought me out. You died on my behalf to give me new life. I choose to respond and to be with you. In your name, amen. Uh, if, you, if you prayed that prayer, I would encourage you. We're going to have a prayer team up at the end of the service. There's fir- people in the back with First Steps lanyards on. Or one of our pastors would love to talk to you about that and what that means. Or if you have questions, uh, we'd love to interact with you more about that because it is, it's a big decision and it's not always uh, easy to make. Well, there's, there's an ultimate sense of responding uh, to Jesus. There's kind of a daily sense of responding. And, and this passage is talking about one of the main ways that he actually speaks to us. And when we read verse 16 again, it says, Whoever listens to you, listens to me. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. And so one of the ways that Jesus calls us to respond is through his through his body, through other believers. I think he does so also through his word. Uh, he can lead us in times of prayer and he can lead us through circumstances but he uses his body in a special way, right? I know many times in my own life, uh, people have encouraged uh, or said something to me that I needed to examine in my own heart. As you could probably guess, uh, the main person who does that is my wife. (laughs) She knows me best and uh, for good and for bad, uh, she gets to reflect those things to me often. We even had a conversation yesterday about something uh, that I had to stop and reflect on. But but God's using her because He wants me to draw closer to Him. Right? My choice is to respond and to hear that uh, or, or not. And I remember when I was in when I was in college, or not college, graduate school, excuse me. I was serving in the Czech Republic, and I was doing some studying, and I got the opportunity to talk a little bit about what I was doing. I was working with college students, and it was really kind of a cool thing in my life. We'd been able to start this ministry, and there was some, I had a lot of autonomy in what I was doing, and my wife was helping me. It was just this, it was a really neat time. But I was up presenting some things, excuse me, about my ministry in, in our class, and the prof- I remember the professor stopped me. And he said, Daniel, as we're listening to you, pretty much all of the people in this room actually would love to be in the spot that you're in, designing ministry the way that you're getting to do it and having the kind of fruit in, in your ministry that, that you're having. And he goes, but I'm hearing a lot of you analyzing things that are wrong with it and ways that you're not content. Whoa. Those are, those are kind of strong words. And I went away. And I spent a couple months actually reflecting on this. And God began to kind of reveal some things to me about why I wasn't content. And thanks to Rick being willing to step in in that moment. I actually got to have a really good finish to that, that season of ministry. A couple of years, because all of a sudden I found more content and contentedness and satisfaction in what I was doing with those with those college students. But it took the voice of one of his followers. It's not always easy to be convinced, though, right? Uh, To to change direction, like me running around Bologna. I I ran until one direction until I was convinced that I needed to go a different one. Uh, I have a Czech friend here actually today, Karel. He can wave his hand there. He's visiting. And one of the, the national pastimes in Czech are things that they enjoy to do is hiking all over the mountains. And they've done some of these same hikes so many times that they, they want to be creative and go a different way. And they have a a shortcut way of going. And they have a phrase that they say. And I'll say it in Czech and I'll explain it in English. Which means, it was a worse trail, but it was also longer. (laughs) A shortcut, yeah. And this is how we are sometimes, right? When people talk to us. Like, I think I know better. Thanks for talking to me about that, but I think I know better. And I'm going to go this way. We have these opportunities when, when people come to us to respond. And the encouragement for us as, as Jesus' followers is, is people's response about us. It says, whoever listens to you listens to me. They're not listening to us. They're listening to him. And when we're rejected, who are they rejecting? They're not rejecting us. They're rejecting him. And so we can be that voice of Jesus in other people's lives. Now, this doesn't mean that you have the right to be an arrogant jerk. (laughs) Jesus was not an arrogant jerk. You're not being the voice of Jesus when you're being an arrogant jerk and telling people why they're they're wrong and they're, you know, all of these things. No, Jesus was welcomed into the house of sinners. A prostitute wiped her hair on his feet. He was a loving, kind person, but he also shared what was true. And that's what changes people, right? It's what changes me. Not when somebody just tells me a truth statement but when they embody that truth with love. Because that's who Jesus is. And that's what helps me to turn my heart towards him and to respond and to be changed. So what, is that, what does that look like practically? We always kind of want to know, okay, that sounds great. Honestly, part of it is to stop and to listen. If I didn't have conversations with my wife, I wouldn't actually know some of the things she needs to say to me if I didn't spend time with her. We have to stop and take time. Hear his voice. I believe he's right there with you. He's right there talking. And sometimes he uses other people. And so to actually hear people out, ask good questions, have humility in our hearts, helps us to change. Because those responses, the way that we hear his voice, the way that we turn and respond to him, it does set the trajectory of our lives in so many ways. And we don't want to, at the end of our life, look back and say, if only I had listened to X person. Jesus was trying to say something to me maybe way back then take a moment, reflect. When I was running around Bologna, all I wanted was someone to stop and say, here's the direction to go. Maybe somebody's doing that right now, and we don't have ears to hear. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. I thank you for your love and care for us. That your desire is not to bring us under your judgment, but your desire is to rescue us, to stop us from going the wrong direction, so that we can have relationship with you today, tomorrow, and forever. Thank you for that love and that care for us, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.